Good morning. Here we are, brand new series we're starting. Uh, as you can see, we've got a brand new bumper, or I'm excited about it. So this is actually a very short series. In case you don't know, my name is Doug. I am the Next Gen Pastor here. Yeah. So welcome to you, all of you in the room here, as well as those of you online, and say hi to Chad for me. Um, so again, this is a, a nice short series. It's just two weeks. I got it this week, and then Matthew's got it next week, which is going to be fantastic. So make sure you come back for that one. Otherwise, you miss the second half. But as we get into this, um, I, you're going to be opening up to Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we're going to be for the next two weeks. Uh, we're going to start right there at verse 1. Uh, and I will tell you this. So our passage this morning is full of athletic analogies. And that's, hence the whole movie thing of everybody running, right? And I am curious, you can raise your hand. Do you like running? Raise your hand if you do. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. All right, you're the better of us, okay? If, uh, yeah, if bad things happen, you will make it out, and we won't. I am not a runner, personally. Uh, My sister is, and my older sister in particular. And man, uh, I can barely ever keep up with her. But so it's full of athletic analogies. I I don't know about you, but I have actually played sports. In fact, um, I peaked in middle school, eighth grade. I was in track and field. Yes, I was actually a better thrower than runner. Um, But I figured, you know what, I I got all the way to regionals uh, throwing javelin, which... Yeah, I know, right? They'd actually give a javelin to middle schoolers. That's ridiculous. But I made it to, to regionals, didn't go beyond past, past that. And I thought, you know what? It's time to hang up the cleats. I'm done. This is it. You know, I've peaked. So, um, but of course, runners, runners are kind of a different breed. And they, they've got all these different things, that, all the, the finer points of racing um, that, that they know about. You know, they've got their, their PRs and their shin splints and the, the fancy underwear that they call running shorts, Right? We all know about this. Put on some clothes, please. Okay, it's distracting. But despite what you might think and what, what uh, you know, 90s jocks would have you think also, foot races, truthfully, are a little more than just trying to get from one place to another as fast as you can, right? That's, it, you don't have to be uh, an actual runner in order to do that. You know, I mean, you can. The top of it is obviously the Olympics. That's usually where, uh, you know, you've, you've got everything from your, your Nike shoes to, you know, your sponsorships and the Wheaties boxes and then, you know, all this and the preparation that goes into it to make sure that you get the best, that gold medal, all the way to, you know, truthfully, a foot race can be as simple as you're in the airport and you need to get that to that gate before the airplane leaves, right? And you've got that one bag with the wheel that's really wonky and it just won't come along with you and a bagel in one hand along with somehow a coffee and a kid in the other hand and you have a foot race at that point in time and you are trying to get there before the plane leaves. There's still a goal in mind. There is a race. We've all been in a race at some point in time, whether it was actually athletic in, sense, in that sense or if it was just, you just had to get there really, really quickly. Uh, I will tell you, my wife, I'm going to pick on her just a little bit, and she's in the room, so she's, it's okay. It's not gossip. Um, there was a time, she does not run, and she, she is adamant about that. In fact, the whole thought of the, the airport situation is from her, because there's one time, we were in a hurry, we were coming from the East Coast, and we had to make a connection. We were in Newark, which is like the worst airport in the world, and we were trying to make it from one side of the airport to the other in just a tiny amount of time, and I was booking it. I was like, come on, Emily. And we didn't have any kids yet, but I had bags. I had both the bags in my hands and I'm running as fast as I can. I get to the gate and, you know, I hand the lady my ticket and she's like, okay, uh, is, is it just you? I was like, no, it's my, my wife's. She's way down there and she's yelling, I don't run. 
and just, <laughs> I learned from that day, we don't run. We don't run. It's okay. But anyway, lots of, lots of running analogies here. So let's get into it. Um, if you've got your Bible, make sure you open up Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. If you would stand with us, um, if you are able, in honor of reading the word. And it says this. We're just going to go through verse 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You can be seated. So, as we look at this, we're, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take this and we're going to work backwards, okay? And this is actually a, a cool suggestion by Brian. But basically, we're, we're in chapter 12 here. We're starting in chapter 12. There were 11 of their chapters that came before this that set all of these things up. So we're going to start with the end. And the reason is because the end of this section gives us the goal in mind. That really is, is truthfully our, our, our first main point here, is that when you are running a race, and specifically in this case, we're talking about the race of life and the race of faith in particular, you have to run with a goal in mind. Nobody just run. Well, I guess some people do. They're crazy. But nobody really should ever just run to run, right? You run with a goal in mind. Whether that goal is I, you know, I go as fast as I can so that I can get my personal record. Maybe the goal is I'm just trying to get across that finish line before other people. Or maybe that goal is there's a bear chasing me and I don't want to die. That, whatever it is, you run with a goal in mind, Right? That finish line is whatever the prize is. That's really what you're running for. And as Christians, we run with the goal in mind as well. In particular, Jesus is the prize. A life with him forever in a place that's perfect. I mean, no more heartache or tears, a perfect relationship with our creator. This person, Jesus, is our prize. Along with that, uh, being honored by our Heavenly Father. Right? It talks about in Scripture how when we get to heaven, the hope is to hear those, those words of, well done, good and faithful service, servant. Our goal is to honor the one who has created us and who has saved us. That's the prize. Along with that, others are the prize. Now, I know this sounds a little goofy, but essentially the idea is we are running this race so that we can bring others with us. We have this game that we sometimes play in middle school. It's called Blob Tag. And we're going to play that right now. So if you could stand, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. I know some of you are freaking out like, oh no. And those of you who have played Blob Tag, you're like, yes, let's play. But if you've never played, the gist of it is this. You get one person and they are responsible for tagging everybody else, kind of. First person they tag though, they link arms with. And then together, they go and try to tag another person and then they link arms with them and then they tag somebody else. Actually, the, the first person, they can only really tag two people because after that, it's the people on the ends that start tagging and now you're trying to gather around. You become this big old blob, right? That goes through the room and eventually you just kind of corner everybody and then envelop them right, like an amoeba. That's the idea, right? But that's the idea for us as well as Christians that it's not about me just running this race all by myself. No, I am supposed to be gathering others into this kingdom with me. And so I reach out and I bring another along with me. I share with them the faith that I have. And now the faith is theirs. And then they run with me as well. And they go off in different directions. Maybe it's not, maybe we don't stay connected the whole time. But no matter what, we are all running for the same point, for the same God and for the same purpose. Now, 
along with this, as we look at this scripture, it gives us in, in particular there um, on verse two, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And then it gives the example of how he did this. If you look in Philippians 2, it gives an even broader example, or just read the Gospels and you see what Jesus did. But you see, the thing is, when you're training athletically, or honestly, in any pursuit, we talked about hobbies this morning, if you are trying to get really good at something, what you want to do is you want to find somebody who has already perfected it. I was, I was watching this morning, kind of preparing, I was watching Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. swing. It is the prettiest swing. In fact, uh, if you ever want to play baseball and you want to learn how to swing the baseball bat well, just watch him. Like, it is, is the most gorgeous thing that you'll ever see. Sorry, honey. I love you. But still, Ken Griffey Jr.'s swing is just so smooth. If I was going to try to be a professional baseball player, which was a goal of mine at one point in time, and then I turned eight, but <laughs> I looked at Ken Griffey Jr., and his poster's on my wall, right? And that beautiful swing. Actually, he was left-handed, so it was more like this, right? Oh, man, it was gorgeous. That's the guy that I look to. Now, of course, there are different pursuits that we look at. Usain Bolt for running, right? He's got world records, 100-meter dash, 200-meter dash. You've got the, the 4 by 100 relay. Uh, or if you wanted, if maybe if you're a musician, a violinist, Paganini, a mythically great violinist, Right? who still is studied for his technique and how he brought the, the music to life through his songs. Well, for us, our ultimate example is Jesus. Jesus is that one that we look to to say, okay, if I'm going to live this life and do it well, if I'm going to endure this race, then I'm going to have to follow his example. And what was that example? It says, for the joy set before him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It talks about in scripture how we don't have a God who can't relate to us. No, he understands. He went through all the things that we have gone through and more all the way to the cross dying for us. And so he understands the hardship and we can look to him, one who can relate to us. And when we pray to him and when we trust him, we know that he understands what's going on and he is able to provide for our needs. Now, as we move along here, uh, we we look at Jesus as the ultimate example, first for his virtue without compromise, second for his resolve, driven by a love that was unmatched both for God and for people and his focus unrelenting and locked on the goal of glorifying the Father. Now, I need you to understand something. This is written for believers, Okay, this is not written to, to non-believers. So if you are here and you're like, I, you know, I'm just trying to figure it out or somebody just invited me here, I don't even know what this is all about really. That's okay, that's fantastic. But know that this message really isn't gonna make a lot of sense. It may be generally practical in some senses. You might get some good training techniques out of it. I don't know, I'm not much of an athlete. But it's not gonna make much sense spiritually because this is not about salvation, Okay, we need to understand that. When we talk about running the race, the prize is not salvation. Salvation is not the prize. It's just not. The prize, because if it was, then that means that we are the one who, ones who are earning it. We cannot earn salvation ourselves. It's only through Jesus. He has already won salvation for us. And so if you, if you don't know who Jesus is and you, you haven't trusted in him, that's what I encourage you to do even right now is to say, Jesus, I give my life to you. He died on the cross 
as a replacement for us for the, the sins that we have committed. Because the wages, it says in scripture, wages of sin is death. In other words, the payment for sin, the cost of sin is death. And it's either we pay it or somebody else does. And the only one who can pay it is one who has lived perfectly. Because one person with sin can't pay for another person with sin. We can't pay for each other's sins. But Jesus can pay for our sin because he had no sin. He went to the cross and died, taking our sin to the grave with him. And then rising from the grave triumphantly with life and life that he shares with us now. If only we will repent, which simply means to turn from our old life and point towards him and say, Jesus, my life belongs to you now. I trust you for my salvation. So as we look at this, know that none of this that we're talking about has anything to do with salvation and trying to achieve it in any, any way. That's already been done, okay? So I, want, I just need to get that out of the way because it's easy to read this and think, well, this is all about me just getting to heaven. And Yes, there's an element where we are going to heaven, but that's happening no matter how well we run during this race. The idea is, if you're already headed there, you might as well run well. In fact, um, there's even uh, a scripture that talks about, and if I can find it here, Philippians 3.16 says, let us live up to what we have already attained. It's already been given to us. Let's live like we belong to heaven, because we do. Okay? So, um, for the non-believer... The race doesn't begin until your life, until you give your life to Jesus. And you can't finish a race that you've never started. So start it now. Now, sounds like the end of the sermon. It's not. We're going to keep going. Okay, so second point here is that we need to have the right preparation. You don't just go into a race, you know, just like you wake up and like, oh, it's fine, regular routine. You know, you get up late and you, you eat your bacon and, you know, your, your pancakes and then maybe a, an extra side of more pancakes. And then, you know, you put on your, your jeans and your cowboy hat and your boots and whatever and you go out and you're like, okay, <clears throat> I guess I'll go for a race. No, you prepare, right? You have to prepare. And in fact, the goal itself drives the preparation. Think about this. There are you can have the goal of a race, running a race, and the goal of going on vacation. They have two very different things. They're both great. I love vacations. Not a big fan of racing, but I'll do it if I need to, right? But both are great goals, but the preparation is so different. If I'm going on vacation, I'm grabbing my camera, and I'm getting you know, my fuzzy slippers from when I'm in the plane and that little pillowy thing that goes around your neck, right? I'm getting some Dramamine and I'm, I'm grabbing all the extra clothes and socks and undies that I'm going to need, maybe even some fl- flippers and my goggles because I'm going to go swimming. Now imagine I did all that in preparation for a race. It makes no sense. I got my flippers on and I'm like, pff, 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 pff. It, it's not going to work. I'm not going to go very fast. They're meant for the water. I'm on the land, right? So the goal drives the preparation. Preparing for the race looks different. If you want to run fast, and you want to run far, you got to pack light. And this is where we get into the first verse here in chapter 12. It talks about the sin that so easily entangles. I'm going to read verse 1 for us again. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run. And it continues on from there. Okay, now we're going to start with the sin, because that's kind of the simpler piece. It's actually a lot easier to handle the sin because sin is easy. Sin is simply disobedience to God. That's it. It's really what it comes down to. You could say it's missing the mark. You could say it's doing bad things. Okay, whatever you want to call it, it's just you're not following God's plan, not following God's commands. That's it. 
Now, sin does get in the way, truthfully. You know, it's like deciding not to, shoot, to tie your shoes before you run. It's going to be tough, and it's going to be your own fault, okay? That's the way that sin works. But you also have to be especially careful for sins that you know you struggle with. It, here's what, something, that, a little tip that I'm going to give you. If you can be reflective of the sins that you've struggled with, you can be more prepared the next time they crop up. You have to plan ahead, truthfully. And a part of that's being honest with yourself and saying, yeah, I do struggle with this. And then you can find accountability and then you can find help with it. Now, it also talked about casting off everything that hinders. And know that everything includes things that you might see as good. Good things can get in the way. They really can. Bacon is good. Bacon don't make you go fast, though. Did you know that? It's true. Unless bacon is at the finish line. Then maybe you go faster. But it doesn't make you go fast when you eat it first, okay? We got that cleared up now that you know. Okay, you're welcome. But you do have to cast off everything that hinders, everything that pulls you down, that bogs you down, anything that gets in the way of you running this race of faith. It may just be a distraction, I will say, this, in preparation for this, it was a little bit convicting. I, I've been playing, I've got this little video game that I play. I have a somewhat addictive personality, when it, especially when it comes to games. I'll tell you, I struggle with that. Right now, the, the best video game system that I have in my house right now is a Nintendo Wii that I got when I graduated college in 2008, okay? Actually, I think it was 2009. I don't remember. Whatever. I've got a Nintendo Wii, and it sits in the closet, and... On the regular, my son asks me to pull it out and play. And we don't very often because I know once I get it out and I plug it in and we get it all set up and we start playing Mario Kart, one, I'm going to destroy him and he'll be sad. And two, I'm going to want to play that all the time. Like all the time. And I even struggle. I, got, I put games on my phone sometimes. You know, like, oh, I'm going to be waiting around. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'll just have a little game. <sighs> I tell you, they start getting taken over. And I know it seems for a lot of you who are like, why? You have your own thing, okay? This is my thing. But I do struggle with it. And this last week, I, took, I had a game that I've been playing for the last couple months, and I realized this is getting in the way. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. It's the last thing I do when I go to bed. It's what I do when I have downtime. It's a waste of time, truthfully. And so I got rid of it. It's gone. It's off my phone. And it, I'll say, the next day when I woke up, I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to play. And then I, oh, no, 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 I'm not because I got rid of it. I'm trying to cast off the things that hinder. So the question is for you, what is a hindrance? It may not be a video game, okay? It may be something completely else. I don't know what. It could be something good, something that you might see as, as generally beneficial, you know, an activity or a hobby that, that you just use a ton of time on. And, or it might be something that it's actually negative, something that gets in the way that pulls you away from God. Whatever it is, if it distracts you from God, it is a hindrance, and it needs to be removed. Not it should be, not you might think about, but it needs to be removed. It says to cast it off, to throw it away. That's what we're talking about here. We have to trim the fat, if you will. If you have a goal, what are you willing to sacrifice to achieve it? And recognizing your tendencies, again, is huge. So, it can feel extreme, but those who don't prepare don't finish well. Remember, the goal is not salvation. That's already achieved for us. But 
the question is, are you living up to the salvation that you've been given? Those who know their weaknesses are able to work on them. So how do you fix that problem? So you recognize your challenges, you recognize the hindrances, how do you fix it? Well, first off, we went through an entire series called Unstuck this summer. I don't know if you were here, but I was for a lot of it. And uh, there were a lot of great sermons. And they talked about how to get unstuck from those things that pull us down, to drag us down, that hinder us, that, that we get caught up in. And, you know, it's easy to find them. We keep them all online. If you just go to southhillschurch.org, you will be able to find them. And you can go back and listen to them. And maybe you'll find one that helps, you know, whether it's depression or whether it's doubt or whatever it is. If that's the thing that you're struggling with, go get help that way. Another way is replacement. And what I mean by that is taking, when you get rid of the old thing, the thing that's a hindrance, you have to replace it with something else. Otherwise, you're going to immediately go back to it at some point. So Romans 12.2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by, by the renewing of your mind. That's what we're talking about. You can't just run away from your problems. You have to replace what was bad with something that is actually good. You have to replace what was a hindrance with something that will propel you forward. Replace the negative with the positive. And build, your, build filthy, ha- filthy? Build <laughs> healthy habits. <clears throat> mm. And fill your mind with holy things. That's what I was trying to say. I promise. Uh, another one, Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet that I have taken hold of it, meaning the prize that, that is a part of this race. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And this is a matter that can be challenging for certain people of you need to put the past behind you. We've all struggled with many different things. Once you, once you decide that, yes, I'm, I'm going to move past this, I'm going I'm to work on this, and I'm going to work on getting beyond it. I'm going to get unstuck, if you will. Don't go back to it. You have to put it behind you. You have been forgiven. Did you get that? You have been forgiven. So live like it. And along with that, that means you are meant to forgive. And you are meant to apologize sometimes too. We have to deal with the hurt that we've we've handled. I, I know a lot of times we get into these situations. I've even done this before where it's like you got this neighbor and Tensions rise over something or other going on, and then you finally just kind of snap, and you do something, you're just kind of a jerk to them, and then you just try to avoid them from then on out. You're like, if I just never see them again, it'll be great. Unfortunately, you have lived next to them. That was a bad idea. Be the bigger man. Go over and apologize. Deal with it, because that right then is a hindrance to you getting that person into the kingdom with you. You have to deal with it. Now, those are a couple things. Uh, we'll have other things we'll talk about a little bit later. But I want to get on to our, our, our third and, and final point here, which is we also must have the right mindset. So we have this preparation, right? But now we also have the, mi- have the mindset while we are running this race. Now, I want to get into the, a little bit. At the very beginning of this chapter, it starts with the word, therefore, okay? Now, you'll notice I put something on the screen here. This, by the way, that's that's not the, the predator, like his little thing that he's trying to destroy. I don't know if you've ever seen Predator. Anyway, if you haven't, that's totally lost on you. This is the symbol in uh, philosophy for therefore. It's one of the logical things, uh, a logical um, term, basically. And you can actually build logical statements together like a mathematical problem. So, you know, in math, you have the add-end, a plus, add-end, an equal sign, 
and then the, the sum. Some of you actually remember that. Yes. Ah, I was homeschooled, so I remember all of them. Okay. <laughs> I know. Uh, anyway, I'm getting distracted by my sister laughing. The equal sign is equivalent to the therefore in a logical statement. So it's a, it, you're building an argument and it equals therefore, okay? Which means all of this scripture that we're getting to here in chapter 12 comes from something else. He's been building up an argument from something else. So what is it? What, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about faith because again, this is a race of faith, okay? So it's a logical conclusion. And you might think of it this way, okay? I'm gonna give you a quick little analogy. Ice cream is good. Ah, now, that is a conclusion. But if you've never tasted ice cream before, you might not believe me. So I need to build an argument for it. I might tell you that ice cream, well, here's what it is, so you know. It's cream, but it's not just that. It's also sugar, and it's your favorite flavor, whether that's vanilla, that's mine, or it's strawberry, or it's chocolate, or maybe it's all three separate but together. It's a little illustration of the Trinity there. But, and then you put bananas on the side and whipped cream on the top and then a cherry right in the middle. And then you eat it all by yourself because it's so delicious. And you get a stomachache. Therefore, ice cream is good. Right? Well, okay, the stomachache maybe didn't help the argument. But all the things up besides that help you to understand that therefore ice cream is good. Right? That's the argument that's being made. Well, what's being made here? We're going to look at that. So, What it says here in uh, Hebrews 11, it gives you a definition of what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's a great definition of faith. If you've ever struggled with it, that's a great one. But really what I, I love boiling it down to the simplest concept. Faith is trust. It's really all that it is. Now, in particular, as far as we're concerned, it's trust in a God who we do not see, who is and we're trusting him to fulfill promises while we don't necessarily see how he's making it happen. He works in his own ways, and sometimes he does allow us to see what's going on, but sometimes he doesn't. And so we have to trust. We have to have faith. I've put my faith in him. Therefore, I am trusting him. Now, along with this, it gives a list of the heroes of the faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and so on and so on and so forth. Look, it also tells us that they died with their faith, but never having seen the prize that they were seeking, which was Jesus, salvation through Jesus. Now, they knew that there was the promise. They knew there was the promise of salvation. It says that their faith was credited to them, but they never got to see it. Hebrews 11 ends with, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So we see that every single one of these great people died in their faith while looking ahead to our time. Jesus is the primary fulfillment of the promises, but we play a part in it as well. And what part is that? We are now a part of the church, the beginning of the establishment of God's kingdom among men. So when we read Hebrews 12, that therefore, we, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us run the race, dot, 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 we understand that we are a part of something bigger than just our own time period even. 
It's, it's kind of like a relay race. All right, how many of you have ever done a relay? Maybe, maybe in middle school, maybe it was a while ago, or maybe it was recently. Wow, not many of you. I'm going to explain to you how a relay race works, okay? Because a lot of you don't seem to understand. What you do is you get a thing, okay? And you take the thing and you run with the thing down the track. You hand the thing to the next person. They take said thing and they keep running. And then they hand it off to the next person. And then they take the thing until you finally get down to the end. Now, there are lots of different ways you can do a relay. In particular, normally they use something called a baton, which is French for stick. I found that out. Yeah. I don't know why we don't just call it a stick. But anyway, it's a baton. That's how relay races work. So if you think about it like that, well, we've been past a baton. A stick, if you will. A stick of faith. (laughs) And it's been handed to us. We weren't the first ones. It, It started back with Adam and Abel. And Noah, they were some of the first. They handed the baton to Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and the patriarchs of Israel, who handed it to Moses and Joshua, who escaped the Egyptians and established the Holy Land, who handed it to Samson, Gideon, Deborah, and the other judges who fought off the enemies of Israel, who handed it to David and Solomon and the righteous kings of Israel, who handed it to Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the prophets, who handed it down to Daniel and Ezra, Nehemiah, those who went into, endured, and came out of the exile. Each of these great people of faith died looking forward to the fulfilled promise that we now enjoy, which is a direct relationship with God himself and the constant indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is something they never attained. What an amazing gift that we have as we run this race. They've endured their portion of the race. And like a relay runner who's already run, they now cheer from the sidelines. That's the picture that's being painted here. They're cheering us on. They've already finished. They're at the finish line waiting for us. And now we run and we do our part to continue on. And you may not be the last one either. The hope is that you pass it on to somebody else and they pass it on to somebody else. And you're gonna keep running until the day that God says you're done. But until then, you keep handing it off and you keep handing it off. You got infinite sticks in your back pocket and you just keep handing that faith to new, new people, new people, new people, and you're sharing it together. Now the question is, Truthfully, how do we run with endurance? Because we're supposed to keep going and going and going and going, and life can feel kind of long. I've heard that the older you get, the shorter it feels, and I think I agree with that. But from any point in time, you don't know how much longer you have, and so it could feel like it's a long time. Well, how do we do that? How do we run with endurance so we don't wear out? The first is simply trust the one that you are running for. I know this seems pretty simple, but it's true. If we can trust God, then we can trust the race that we are a part of and trust that we will go with it. It, It's as simple as this. Think of you have a boat. Maybe some of you do. I don't. But if you had a boat and you took it out to sea and you're sailing and now all of a sudden the winds get, start cropping up and the waves get choppy and a storm starts blowing in, the question is, do you head back to shore or Do you think that your boat can handle it? That's trust. And we can see that as an analogy for our faith. Does your faith, is your faith in God that which would take you and continue on and say, yeah, no, my God's bigger than this. He can handle this. Or does it say, I'm going to head back. I'm going to go trust in something else. We have to trust in the one who has called us into this race in order for us to be successful in it. The second one is run with others. Uh, 
there's an old saying that if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And that's absolutely true. In particular, we have a lot of ways that we want to help you to go together. In particular, we talk about life groups. Join a life group. I love my life group. We've got a great life group together. And I will tell you, I'm not always there. I wasn't there last week. It was my birthday, so my wife took me out for dinner. But also sometimes I just miss. But at the same time, they don't kick me when I'm down. They don't say, well, you haven't shown up in the last two weeks, and how dare you, and uh, you're out now. No, they're really encouraging. They're like, hey, what are we doing next week? What are we going to do? It's going to be fun. We're going to have dinner together, whatever it might be, and we can encourage each other, and we can lift each other up, both in prayer and physically to say, hey, I'm here for you. What can I do to help in this circumstance you're going through? So life groups are huge. We're going to have a huge life group kickoff here in September. I want you to be a part of it. If you're not a part of a life group, make sure you're there for that. Go find a life group, all right? Matthew's the one to go talk to about that now. Um, Along with that, find support where you Uh, finding support when you get tired, getting accountability for for when you allow yourself to be bogged down by those sins and the distractions, the hindrances. Uh, Another option is joining a care group. And a care group, what I mean by that is we have like grief share for if if you're grieving, if you've lost somebody or something that's very important in your life. Um, We have Celebrate Recovery, which is help um, against addiction or against um, codependence and these different struggles that you might have in your life. Um, We also have other just support groups. Like we have a mom's group that meets for supporting moms who are, who are you know what, so it can be hard being a mom, you know, crazy kids running around and all kinds of stuff going on. We have a mom's group. There's, there's groups for middle schoolers. There's groups for high schoolers. There's groups for kids. There's groups for young adults. Wherever you're at, there are groups to help support you and encourage you and teach you and train you. And then beyond that, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're like, things are actually going pretty good right now. Went through the whole summer, the Unstuck series, Nothing there that really was like I was stuck with. So I'm feeling pretty good. That's fantastic. God has blessed you greatly. Now go bless somebody else. Get involved in a ministry. Go find somebody that you can help because maybe God has made you nice and healthy right now so that you can run alongside somebody else. We are meant to live in community. That's the way God created us. We are meant to encourage each other, to support each other, and to help each other along. Not to kick them when they're down, Sometimes you do need a kick in the pants, but most of the time it's, hey, I'm going to run with you so that we can both finish successfully. So get involved. You have hopefully worked through some challenges. Hopefully you've gotten unstuck this summer from something, but don't let it be the end. Keep moving forward. The race is winnable. In fact, it's already been won. Now you're just running and you're running for God who loves you. So run, run with endurance towards the goal that God has given you. Now we have the, the honor this morning to, to t- partake in communion. Hopefully you've grabbed um, one of the little cups when you came in. If you haven't, that's a chance. Um, and uh, we have some in the back there. But go ahead and take that. And what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Because again, this isn't about us winning the prize of salvation. This is about us running a race in honor of the one who has already. And so as we take this, we take first the bread, and that Jesus said, he said, this is my body broken for you. It's broken on the cross. Take and eat in remembrance.
And then Jesus, when he was with the disciples, took the cup, said, this is the blood of the covenant poured out for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. So now let us run the race for God in honor of him and what he has done in our lives. Let's continue in worship.